You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. The Mets actually had an offensive outburst, eight runs in one inning to make Mets moms everywhere happy on Mother's Day. We will discuss what was uh, a great way to close out the weekend in the first segment today. Then in the second segment, I'll look at the first two games of the weekend, including a ridiculous rain delay turn postponed game. The Nationals are a clown organization on that one. Um, and then the final segment, I'll explain why this is a must win on Monday to close out and finally get a series victory. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, there was three games that we'll be discussing today as the Mets took on the Nationals this weekend. There was a ridiculous rain delay, a lot to go over, but I want to start things off with where the weekend ended because I have some hope for the Mets for the first time. Is it because Max Scherzer gave them five strong and, and had a good start for once? That's part of it. But really, it comes down to a simple thing. An eight-run inning and luck. Baseball, there is a lot that goes into a game of inches. Okay, of course, you have, you know, are you pitching well as a staff? How's the bullpen holding up? How's the lineup clicking? All those things. But there's also something unspoken, something about juju, something about momentum, something about the baseball gods where you need things to go your way. And for the first time in weeks, in the fifth inning, it felt like things finally went the Mets' way in Game 2 after they already dropped the game earlier on in the afternoon. A game that was winnable. But I digress, and we'll discuss that, and we'll discuss Friday's game in the next segment. I want to really focus in on this fifth inning because, first things first, Max Scherzer on the hill. Five strong innings. Okay, He gave up a run in the second, uh, but... Did not give one in the first, which is significant because Mets starters had allowed runs in the first inning in seven consecutive games. So he broke that awful streak. Uh, He walks Dom Smith, which was kind of foolish because Dom had never got a hit off of him. This was with one out in the second inning. He strikes out Alex Call. Then C.J. Abrams, who's been killing the Mets in this series, gets a double where Starling Marte probably should have caught the ball. Um, Gets over his head, hits off the wall, run comes around to score. Max Scherzer is pissed off, throws two fastballs um, by uh, Adams for the Nationals, and then a a nasty slider to strike him out. Look pissed off, which you like to see. Mad Max back in the fold. Then he put up some zeros. Mets had not scored, so you get to that fifth inning. And finally, things just start breaking their way. You know, you have Starling Marte gets a hit, okay? Mark Canna with an RBI double. We saw him smack his own ass. Uh, and that might be a new celebration. I don't know if it's just for Canada or for the whole team, but it seems like the team got involved because this rally started with the Canada smack in the butt, and it ended with the Canada smack in the butt. Um, 
you know, because he he bookended the rally with RBI hits. He ties the game. Uh, Tommy Pham walks. Francisco Alvarez strikes out. Brandon Immo, though, hits a ground ball. Didn't hit the ball hard, okay? And this is where, again, I say the tide turn. Actually, I'm looking at the exit velocity. 98.9. So he did hit it fairly hard, but he hit it with a launch angle of minus 12 degrees. It was a ground ball, okay? A ground ball that made it through the infield. Those are ground balls that recently have been falling into people's gloves. Jeff McNeil strikes out, so that's a two-out uh, situation, 2-1 game. Are the Mets only going to get a run? Is Max Scherzer going to have to hold a narrow lead? No, the Mets exploded. Francisco Lindor, 3-0 swinging, squibs one, infield hit, run, okay? Uh, Pete Alonso hit by a pitch. Brett Beatty walks to draw in a run. Starling Marte, a fly ball that falls in. So it, it's not like the Mets started to hit the ball hard. All the times where they hit the ball hard, just like Jeff McNeil ending the game in, in earlier in the afternoon, game one of what was a weird doubleheader, sh- hits the ball hard into the gap. It's caught. Okay? But sometimes you just need the ball to start falling for you. And that's what happened in this inning. Mark Canna closes it out with that RBI hit. The Mets put up eight runs in one inning. They finally have a game where you're not worried about, oh, we got to go and get David Robertson, Adam Adovino, Drew Smith. Shockingly, in a doubleheader, all those guys got to rest for a day to get you ready for what I'm calling a must-win on Monday. But to see the Mets able to cruise to a win, and again, on the backs of, yes, they got 10 hits in the game and everything else. It's not the lineup is fixed. But what you had in that moment is the team was able to have some fun for a second. The the baseball gods smiled upon the Mets and, and gave them one. Gave them, you know, hit after hit after hit, especially with two outs, where finally not striking out, putting the ball in play, worked out for the Mets. And they're able to get Max Scherzer a win, and I think that's massive to get, you know, Max... Back in that win column, he got his ERA under five. It's at four eight eight. He was good. So to see that in combination with the lineup putting it together for a day, even if it was just the second part of a day, I think that is a good sign that hopefully, not that all the problems will be fixed, but maybe mentally this team's going to show up in better shape. And if you win a series on Monday, and you're feeling good about yourself, and then you have a series against a team that absolutely should beat you in the Tampa Bay Rays, maybe you shock the world a little bit, win that series, and suddenly you could get momentum back on your side. And for all these guys who have just been pressing, maybe you get to a point where you're feeling better about yourself. And as a team, you can get back on track. Because ultimately, as much as we can talk about the guys getting called up and all these different things that need to happen... You just need your regulars to be their regular selves. And if you get the normal versions of Francisco Lindor, Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Emmo, Pete Alonzo, Mark Canna, the same group that won you 101 last year, I don't know if you're going to win this division, but you're going to be a hell of a lot better than you've been the last couple weeks, which I guess isn't saying much. But uh, the Mets, they win two or three this weekend. I want to discuss those first two games, and then we'll... Get into why I think Monday is a must-win. Before we get into any of that, though, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. 
With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits the right way the first time around. Just add your vehicle into my garage. Look for the green check mark to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, taking two or three from the Washington Nationals is not some huge, massive victory for the Mets, okay? A lot of work still has to be done, but it's a step in the right direction, and granted, that could all be erased if you lose on Monday and you split this four-game series, but for a weekend of baseball, the Mets were able to win two or three, and you have to take those little victories when you get them. Uh, It all started on Friday. Tyler McGill has solidified a spot in this rotation, probably for the season at this point. Uh, Carlos Grasco did look good in his rehab, got over 50 pitches. Imagine we see him back soon. Joey Lucchese was optioned down, so I imagine they might keep him in Syracuse. They optioned him uh, as part of the rain delay game, which we're going to get to in a second here. Uh, But McGill looks like he's going to be part of a rotation that will include Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco, and him for a while, and he's earned it. As much as I can point to the underlying metrics and the fact that regression could be on the horizon, as much as I can look at four walks in this start on Friday and say, oh, man, you know, how, how much can we really credit Tyler McGill for um, you know, scattering four hits and four walks against a bad Nationals team and only allowing two runs, uh, only one of them being earned, mind you. But look, he got five innings in. For the season, he's been able to pitch to a 4.02 ERA. For a fifth star, he'll take that. And you just hope that those expected ERAs and everything else don't come back to bite him anytime soon. Maybe he can pitch a little bit better than he has, but at least he's giving you some good results. And he's giving you close to five a start, right? You, you're, you like um, that at least he's giving you that when a guy like Joe Lucchese at times feels like he can only get through a lineup two times through and might not be able to get you through that fourth inning sometimes, or at least can can barely get you out of the fifth outside of his miraculous first start this year. So you take it. But again, you know, all the things that we've kind of worried or wondered about this team were still present in this game. You still had eight of the nine innings where the Mets didn't score any runs. Both of the wins they had this weekend, they were scoreless in eight of their nine innings. We don't like that, but at least they got one here. Sixth inning was really... Um, the, the big moment for the Mets where they get a bases clearing single from Francisco Lindor. How does that happen? Well, when you have Brandon Nimmo on first base, he can score on a single, um, especially with two outs, I believe. And check check myself, make sure I'm right on that one. Yeah, there was two outs. Uh, you know, Nimmo had drawn a walk previously in the inning. It was Marte who had singled, Canna who had doubled a walk by Nimmo, loaded the bases, and then the base hit from Lindor that squirts through to the outfield. Allows everyone to come around. Lenore got the second on the play, but was stranded when Jeff McNeil grounds it out. Bottom line, though, the Mets, who were down uh, in a 2 nothing hole in the sixth inning, got those three runs. They took a lead. And as much as you want to talk about the Mets pitching staff, it has not been the bullpen that's been the issue. The bullpen, when it comes to their high leverage guys, has been pretty solid. I mean, Adam Adovino's season 
hasn't been you know completely even. Yet his ERA is only at three at this point. You got an inning from Brigham um, in the sixth, one from Montevino. You got Robertson for five outs to try to get him to close that the entire game last two innings, but he was just taxed through a lot of pitches with 40 pitches, only 20 of them strikes ultimately. Um, so you, you had to go get Drew Smith, and he got the big strikeout when you needed it, stranded a couple runners, massive victory. Then what do you have? You have a ridiculous game where the Nationals made fans sit for four hours, um, a lot of it without it even raining, and the field was not in good condition. And instead of you know, maybe just putting the tarp on the field all day and changing it to a 7 o'clock start, and they probably could have got a game in, uh, they just dropped the ball for their fans, uh, made it a frustrating viewing experience at home where you were wondering if the Mets game was ever going to get played. Play was suspended. It resumed today. Um, the Mets got a sacrifice fly to tie it up from Nimmo. Um, and then you had a 1-1 game for a little bit. Uh, the Nats scored in the fourth. The Mets scored in the seventh. C.J. Abrams, though, hit a home run uh, to break a tie. And the Mets ended up losing 3-2, to two, a game where uh, you were able to avoid pitching all of your, your big guys. And again, you had Robertson, who, of course, I don't know if he was even available for this doubleheader, but to give um, Adovino a day off, to give Smith a day off, that was big. Nogasek gave you three innings. Uh, even though he gave up a run, you got to credit him for giving them length when they desperately needed it after Joey Lucchese had the rare mid-game option to triple. Um, you know, you got a couple from Leon, and then Santana pitched the last one, and it got a little dicey, but, hey, he didn't uh, end up giving up anything. And ultimately, uh, you just couldn't score in that ninth inning. You had their opportunities. Brandon Emmo with a late hit. Jeff McNeil gave one a ride. It was caught, and uh, that was the ball game. So the Mets got close to tying it in that ninth inning, but... Um, they, they just never could get the big hit when they needed it. You know, they had the one inning where they loaded the bases with three singles and Daniel Vogelback strikes out and Guillaume flew out. Um, so that was another instance where, uh, as much as Daniel Vogelback has the great numbers this season, he hasn't necessarily come through in the big moments and he's just a player that, um, is an absolute conundrum. Uh, you know, I'll spend a little more time on that in the next segment here. Um, but we also, of course, have to talk about the final game of this series where you kind of hope that David Peterson gives you a good start. I don't know how I feel about that, so we're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, first, though, another word from our sponsors. Okay, so I really don't want to continue to harp on my Daniel Vogelback should be DFA'd or traded um, take that I've had on this show a bunch, but it does bear a little bit of repeating when we see him in a big spot where all you needed was a walk to get a run across, and he struck out swinging there, chasing on a on – a, it was a good pitch. I'll give – I think that was Erasmo Ramirez. It was a good pitch, but still – Here's my issue with Daniel Vogelback, not to continue to repeat myself, but he has now, uh, in his time with the Mets, had nearly 300 plate appearances. Had 183 last year. He's at 96 this year, though the pride does not include today, as I look at Fangrass, which does not update usually until the next night. Regardless, he's probably over um, 100 now or right at it uh, for this season. And again, 183 last year. So you're working on a sample of 
close to 300 now. Across those 300-ish plate appearances, he has eight home runs. Now, extrapolate that over a full season, maybe he's a 15-home run guy. Mark Fientos, if given 600 plate appearances at the big league level, he is definitely clearing 20, and I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed for 30 home runs. He continues to tear the cover out the ball in AAA, and he's hitting righties and lefties, and he can run the bases. Not that he's a speedster, but he's not as station-to-station as Daniel Vogelback is. And he actually can play a position at first base. Vogelback technically can as well, but we still haven't really seen him out there. And in a pinch, you can put him at third. Okay? And he can hit righties and lefties. Now, you can't have Vogelback and Vientos on the roster. So that's why I always say you have to get rid of Vogelback. But here's the other problem. You still look at a guy that walks in, you know, since he came over to the Mets. It's about even from last year to this year at an 18% clip. Okay, so if the rest of your lineup was humming, Daniel Vogelback moving the line along is great. But again, what does a walk do unless the bases are loaded? What does a walk do to lead off an inning if Vogelback needs a triple to score from first? That Again, that's just the issue. I hate to harp on the guy, but... I just think that Mark Vientos is an impact player. And unfortunately, the only way to get him on the roster to actually help the team would be to do something with Vogelback. Because you could also say, hey, Eduardo Escobar is barely playing. You could let Vientos take that spot on the roster. But then does he get that playing time that Escobar is currently, you know, once a week you see him or you see him in a random pinch hit here or there? If that's where suddenly you see Mark Vientos, well, that's just going to waste him away on the bench, and he's not going to be effective when you can see him because he's not a veteran who I think can be successful in that role. That's why I think Escobar is fine in the role that he currently has because you know he, he can sit cold for a while, and he's got enough MLB experience that when you call on him, he can succeed. Regardless, I don't want to spend the whole show talking about something that I have spent a lot of time on. It, it's just something that continues to bother me. But this is a... Must-win game on May 15th (laughs) against the Washington Nationals. It sounds crazy, and look, if they lose, of course, the season doesn't end. So uh, it doesn't qualify as a must-win to that extent. But for me, this is massive, okay? You have to stop the bleeding and win a series. And splitting against the Nationals is nothing to celebrate about. Winning three or four isn't really either. Um... But look, it's, it is harder to win a four-game series than a three-game series. The Mets just technically would have won a three-game series. Now you got to go out and win another one. you got Patrick Corbin on the mound. He's not been good this year, but he has not been as bad as he was previously. The ERA is below five currently for old Patrick Corbin. So, hey, you never know. Okay, Patrick Corbin, one of those guys where as much as you look at the numbers and you say, oh, you should destroy Patrick Corbin, He might have a shutout going in the sixth inning, and we're all wondering, man, here we go again with this Mets lineup. What I'm hoping is that uh, it's a 4.87 ERA for Corbin. 1.42 is his whip, so about a runner and a half per inning almost there. 30 strikeouts and 44 and a third. Um, Getting some innings there, I guess. Eight starts. He's 1-5 on the season. Uh, You know, you got David Peterson pitching. Uh, Peterson 
has not been good this year. The Mets are 1-6, if I'm not mistaken, in starts that David Peterson has had. This is an opportunity for David Peterson to pitch against a bad team um, and maybe turn his season around a little bit, even if it's just one start before he goes to AAA and tries to figure his stuff out. And the Mets have some momentum coming off the eight-run inning. Maybe we see a lot of guys smacking their own rears as they hit doubles. That's a new celebration that can get this team going, which, look, again, it's silly baseball stuff to continue to mention it. But baseball is silly sometimes. And the way that the game works, the way that a season goes, the little threads that are pulled, the little uh, you know, stories that become bigger than they should be, can define your season and put you in a better place than you thought. And if that eight-run inning, wherever a hit dropped for the Mets, gives them a celebration that they rally around or just gets them mentally loose where they go up against a bad team and a bad pitcher and they finally live up to their potential and they put up 10 runs against the Nationals and they win this series convincingly, and then you carry that momentum into the series against the Rays, hey, maybe the Mets start playing baseball again. Or maybe I'm right back here tomorrow griping again about how this Mets team just isn't that good. Only way to find out for all you everydayers is to tune in tomorrow and, of course, watch the game at 4.35, I believe, Eastern Time today. You can actually watch that on the or listen to that on the Sirius XM app. Um, but till then, till tomorrow, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets. And hopefully... The Mets will give us something exciting to come back to uh, as try to get this season back on track.